0: Well, good morning and uh, we are excited to be back in person at King Street and I hope that you will plan and make plans to pre-register and to join us uh, in person. I hope you had a great uh, Canada Day and uh, maybe it's a long weekend for you, but wherever you're watching today, we're just so glad that you've joined us. Uh, We continue our series today, Flawed Yet Faithful, and we've been walking through uh, the heroes of Hebrews chapter 11. And uh, so far, we've learned about uh, Abel and Enoch and Noah. And next week, Pastor Kristen is going to be talking about Abraham. And on this holiday weekend, uh, if it is for you, and the launch of kind of summer as everybody kind of starts to uh, take some vacation plans and time, and we want to sort of pause this morning to talk about the others. And I know that kind of sounds dramatic, but I guess the question that comes is, who are the others? And uh, not to be confused with a movie title, These are the uh, unknowns that are included near the end of Hebrews chapter 11. And so logically you would think that this talk that that, uh, I'm going to do this morning uh, would happen near the end of the series after all of the known people and and because of where it's located in Hebrews chapter 11. But I think it's fitting that we interjected here uh, today as something something important for us that we can learn from these uh, unknowns or these others that we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, one of the things we're going to learn today that will kind of stand out is that faithfulness doesn't always equal recognition or reward. Uh, cyclist Tony Martin has worked so hard as a, a cyclist and prepared faithfully, and he, it's no doubt that because of that, he is a four-time world champion in uh, time trial racing. Uh, but last weekend, as they were in stage one of the uh, Tour de France, uh, he was uh, one of the first to wipe out in this crash where 21 different cyclists were actually injured. And and it took place when a a spectator, trying to get on camera, kind of went too far out and stuck her uh, cardboard sign out too far uh, so that it clipped uh, Martin. And it's interesting because the sign, they were just trying to, this spectator was just trying to get on camera with this sign that uh, read in in a mix of French and German, come on grandma and grandpa. And yet, uh, as you watch, you can see that uh, this great uh, uh, crash kind of happens and Martin, to try to miss the sign, goes down uh, in this, and his whole uh, peloton or his whole group of cyclists uh, end up crashing together. Martin continues the race and it's actually the unknown spectator actually flew, fleed the country after that. And the point is, faithfulness doesn't always equal uh, recognition or reward in this life. And it brings us to our passage to ponder Uh, From Hebrews chapter 11, verse 39 and 40. And let me read it for you again this morning. All these people, and even the others that we're going to talk about that are listed, uh, earn a good reputation because of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us, so that they would not reach perfection without us. Uh, So let's go to this question. Who are the others that the writer here of Hebrews... Uh, the book of Hebrews, and specifically chapter 11 is talking about. Well, let's uh, take a little bit look, uh, closer look at Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to focus in this morning on Hebrews chapter 11, verse 35 and to 39. It says this, But others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at, and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning, some were sawed in half, and others were killed with a sword. Quite vivid picture that you can see there. Some went about wearing uh, the skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed or afflicted and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, and yet none of them received all that God had promised. Now scholars suggest, who've studied the book of Hebrews, specifically chapter 11, that the writer here is referencing some of the Jewish uh, Maccabees and others in ancient history who suffered for their faith. But the writer here chooses to leave these individuals, the others, unnamed, I think because they're not the only ones. There's a whole group of them. And so what we're going to do today is kind of unpack who the others are, but also look at some of the people in the Bible who I think had similar experiences. So let's answer the question, who are the others? First of all, the others were diligent and yet they doubted. Look at this, it says, But others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. Others were chained in prisons, yet none of them received all that God had promised. For some of the others, God did not stop their torture. He didn't set them free from prisons or save them from death. And so naturally, they would have doubted. One of the uh, people that come to mind is John the Baptist. In Luke chapter 3, verse 1 to 12, and then John chapter 3, 27 to 30, uh, John the Baptist comes on the scene uh, right before Jesus, and really what he begins to do at the Jordan River is calling people out and calling them to turn back to God, to, to repent, as it were, to do a 180, which is what that word means. To prepare the way for Jesus is what John's job was to do. He actually meets Jesus and ends up baptizing him and he's there when he hears uh, this voice from heaven after Jesus came up out of the water, this is my dearly loved son. It's later on that King uh, Herod actually arrests John and throws him in prison for speaking against him and some of his lifestyle and, and, and he does this at his wife's request. See, John was diligent, earnest and passionate about fulfilling his purpose and yet while he's in prison, He doubts. Look at uh, Luke chapter seven, verse 18 to 23 here for a minute with me. It says, the disciples of John the Baptist told John about everything Jesus was doing. So John called for two of his disciples and he sent them to the Lord or to Jesus to ask him, are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else? See, even after all that John had seen and heard while he's in prison, he experiences this moment of doubt. And Jesus responds and tells John's disciples to go back to him and tell him, go back and tell John what you've seen and heard. God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. And John chooses then not to step back from calling out Herod and ultimately it ended uh, in his own death at Herod's uh, wife's request. The other person that comes to mind as I think of uh, those who were diligent and yet doubted is Thomas. Thomas sort of gets a bad rap as the uh, doubting disciple. Uh, He walked with Jesus. He saw all that uh, Jesus could do and he saw everything that Jesus did. He he heard Jesus talk about the resurrection. He saw Jesus die. And and then he's told that Jesus is alive and he's not there to actually see Jesus, but when he's told by the other disciples, Jesus is alive, he doubted. And in John uh, chapter 20, verse 24 to 29, he says, I won't believe it. Unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers in them, place my hand in the wound in his side, and later when Jesus appears to him, Jesus actually responds to those. And he says to Thomas, here, put your fingers here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound that's in my side. Thomas, don't be faithless any longer, but believe. Uh, We know from Fox's book of martyrs and tradition that later uh, Thomas uh, preached the gospel and went as far as India where after inciting some of the pagan priests was actually uh, martyred as a follower of Jesus. My point today, the others were diligent in their faith and though their circumstances brought on doubt, they still chose to believe and remain faithful because doubt sometimes is part of the journey. I like what René Descartes says, the, the great mathematician. If you would be a real seeker after truth, it is necessary that at least once in your life, your doubt, as far as possible, you would doubt all things. It's a natural part of it, and we'll come back to that a little bit later. The second thing about the others is that they were determined, and yet they declined. It says, Others were chained in prison, some died by stoning, some were sawed in half, and others were killed with the sword, They were too good for this world. For some of the others, God chose, maybe really as part of his plan for them, for them not to succeed in their achievements, at least from our perspective. Uh, One of the people that comes to mind is Jeremiah the prophet. Jeremiah is called by God. He's told to uh, be a prophet to to Judah and to speak on his behalf and to go to to the people of Judah, the kings, the officials, all of the people and the priests, and to tell them to turn back to God, but Jeremiah's success rate is subpar. Actually, from all from our perspective, it would be considered a failure. He ends up in prison multiple times. He's whipped. He's put in uh, stocks. He ends up in a in a dungeon, and and no one listens to him. In fact, we read in Jeremiah seven twenty seven that God never actually expected them to listen to Jeremiah says, tell them all this. This is God speaking to Jeremiah. Tell them all this, but do not expect them to listen. Shout out your warnings, but do not expect them to respond. And in the end, tradition has it that Jeremiah was actually uh, stoned to death by his fellow Jews when they were exiled in Egypt. Another individual is, who comes to mind is Stephen, the table server. Uh, in Acts chapter 6 and 7, we meet Stephen for the first time. Uh, when, and we learn about him, that he's a man full of God's grace and power and that God was performing miracles through his life. And yet while he is preaching to the religious leaders and the Pharisees, it resulted in him being stoned to death and his death actually launches a great persecution that took place on the first church while they were in Jerusalem. As quickly as Stephen comes on the scene, as gifted as he is by God and used by God, he's gone. My point to this is the others were determined in their faith and in their faithfulness to God to do what God called them to do. And though from our perspective, their lives might not be considered successful at all because of the, the little results, if any, for Jeremiah we think of at the time, yet Jeremiah and Stephen and the others chose to finish well. I like what a theologian Donald A. Hagner says. Many persons of faith experience great victories through deliverance from their enemies. Others experience victories through their ability to endure suffering and martyrdom or to be put to death. But through faith, all are victorious in one way or another. The third thing I think we can learn about the others is that they were dedicated and yet destitute. It says, Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats destitute and oppressed, afflicted and mistreated, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. And yet, in those same verses, it says, they placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. For some of the others, they acquired nothing of physical significance in this life. Elijah the prophet comes to mind. He was called by God to be a prophet to Israel, and, and he comes on the scene in around 1 Kings chapter 17 through to Second Kings chapter 2, where suddenly he's taken away to heaven in a chariot. But during his time, Elijah often sacrificed and served others. But he also, as you read the story, he spent a lot of time wandering alone. He was fed by birds and fed by a widow, and an angel even comes to feed him, and And it says that uh, he was hairy, most likely not very well manicured, but but he was committed to do what God wanted him to do. But at the lowest point in his life, listen to what it's described in 1 Kings 19, 3 to 9. It says, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day, and he sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. He had some difficult times wandering alone. Uh, Paul the Apostle also comes to mind as we think about this. Spent most of his post-conversion or after his decision to follow Jesus, wandering from city to city all across the Roman Empire, sharing the good news about Jesus. But ultimately, in the end, he's this this, uh, Apostle is confined under house arrest, he ends up spending that time writing letters to the churches and by tradition we know that eventually he was martyred and put to death by the Roman Empire for being a follower of Jesus. Listen to what happened to Paul in 2 Corinthians 11, 23-27 from his own words. He says, I've worked harder, being put in prison more often, being whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with wa- rods. Once I was sown. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I've traveled on long journeys. I've faced many dangers from rivers and from robbers. I've faced dangers, and he lists a whole bunch of dangers. And he says, I've worked hard and long, and during many sleepless nights, I've been hungry and thirsty, have often gone without food. I've shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. My point today to this the others were dedicated in their faith to do whatever God asked them to do, disregarding the costs or the rewards in this life, and by doing that chose to invest eternally. Another uh, writer, Christian writer, Luke Timothy Johnson says this: Those of whom the world was not worthy, referring to these others, could not find, could find no permanent place in this world. They wandered about in the physical sense, even though in the spiritual sense, Their direction was true. So what about us today? When thinking about the others and thinking about what the Hebrew writer uh, tells us about the others and then the examples that I shared with you this morning, what lessons can we learn from them and kind of take with us and put into practice? Three quick things. First First of all, faith requires action in spite of doubts. It says, yet none of them received all that God had promised. See, everyone's faith journey uh, requires making this choice to believe, to trust God, even when we don't see the results or the results are, are not what we want. And that starts from from before we even have faith, when we come to that place of first making a decision, or and it continues to happen as we journey for a long time, or however long you followed Christ, it's part of the journey. Uh, in a couple of weeks from now, it'll be sort of the I guess my uh, 34th uh, spiritual birthday if you want to say it like that uh, 34 years ago I made a decision to follow Christ and uh, have continued on I, and it was at that moment I can remember exactly where it was that I had to make a choice to believe Fast track to this this past month and my wife Sonia and I have been uh, praying almost daily from for some specific uh, answers for for some specific things and And yet we haven't seen the results of that. In fact, for some of those uh, things we've been praying about, it feels like uh, things have got maybe a little bit worse as opposed to better. But this, we have to make a choice and we had to make a choice to believe and we have to make a choice every day to trust God and to continue to believe him even when we have doubts or when things don't go the way we want. Kieran H. Jobes, another writer, says, Clearly, the faith in view, or the faith that the writer in Hebrews here is talking about, is not a mere intellectual asset to a set of doctrines, but a complete trust in God that energizes one's actions and decisions in life. Faith requires action in spite of our doubts. Secondly, what we can learn here, Success is not an achievement but the fulfillment of one's one's God-given purpose. It says they were too good for this world. See, if we're measuring success in uh, in awards or accomplishments or income or impact, uh, really we're using uh, the wrong measuring tools. Imagine building a structure and you're not using, uh, you don't use any plans or you have your own uh, measuring tool instead of using a measuring tape to uh, to follow the plans and to build this structure or this home, you decide, oh, I'm going I'm to use this for measurement or I'm just going to kind of kind of go with it and not work, off, work with any plan. In doing that, you never really know when you're finished and nothing ever is measured properly. See, the right tool to measure success is to ask the question, am I living today to fulfill God's purpose for me? See, the results of our lives are not uh, up to us. We don't determine that. But success for us, if we're followers of Christ, is fulfillment of the purpose that God has for us and our commitment to that and a decision to finish well. Again, I like what Donald A. Hagner says. Some through faith experience victories of another kind. They suffered all kinds of evil and even martyrdom, or being put to death, but these were only apparent defeats. In actuality, they were triumphs of faith expressed in the faithfulness of total commitment. The third thing I think we can learn from this is that treasures worth valuing valuing are those that last beyond this life. It says they place their hope in a better life after the resurrection. A question for you today, how much is $60 worth? Well, the answer to that is $60, right? But how much is it worth if I take the $60 and I go and and buy uh, uh, some Dairy Queen cards or maybe some Tim Hortons cards and I give them to unexpected employers or neighbors or a store clerk who serves me and, and maybe put a little note of appreciation with it? How much more is it worth if I do those things? Or what if I take this $60 and I donate it to uh, VDC, the Vacation Day Camp? How much more is it worth then? Is it worth $60 or is it worth something way more lasting? How about a pair of shoes? How much are... A pair of shoes worth to us? Well, for most of us, we maybe have multiple pairs, and so if we if we lost a pair or uh, didn't use a pair for a year, and that happens sometimes, I go looking in my closet, and not that I have a lot of shoes, but then I go, "Wow, I didn't even realize I had this pair of shoes." How much are a pair of shoes worth to me? But for the guy or the girl who's struggling to make it and can't afford a pair, how much is a pair of shoes worth? It's interesting that uh, we ask that today, because today we actually kick off a uh, running shoe drive for Gate 316, and uh, through the month of July, we're asking uh, if you would help us by actually purchasing men's uh, running shoes, uh, size eight and a half to 11 1⁄2 in, uh, ex- in good and excellent condition, and dropping them off at the church so we can help our friends out at Gate, 3- Gate 316 in the work that they're doing. But how much is a pair of shoes worth to those who don't have a pair? See, we have this opportunity to make the choice to invest eternally and do the things that will last beyond this life. I like what Randy Alcorn says. To those who accumulate treasures in this life, death is loss. But the one who lays up treasures in heaven looks forward to eternity. They are moving daily toward their treasures. SEE, YOU AND I MAY NEVER BE KNOWN OR BE NAMED. WE MAY, uh, IF WE COULD AT SOME POINT, BE A PART OF THE OTHERS. BUT LISTEN, WE CAN ALL MAKE THE CHOICE TO LIVE LIKE THE OTHERS THAT WE LEARNED ABOUT TODAY. FAITHFULNESS DOESN'T ALWAYS EQUAL RECOGNITION OR REWARD IN THIS LIFE, BUT IT DOES IN ETERNITY. AND THE CHOICE IS UP TO US IF WE'RE GOING TO CHOOSE TO LIVE FAITHFULNESS AND FAITHFULLY even if we live flawed lives and imperfect. Can I pray for you today? Father, we are flawed. And it's no surprise to you because you already know that. But we truly desire as we're watching today to be faithful to you. Uh, Lord, I pray for those who are watching today and maybe they're on the, the edge of the verge of faith following you. Maybe they're watching today and maybe they're not even sure why they're watching, but they chose to watch it, watch today. And you're speaking to them, you're working in their lives, you're drawing them to faith in you and relationship with you. I pray that you would help them to uh, make that first step towards you today. God, you know us so well and we naturally love uh, recognition and reward and so we struggle uh, when we think that we're not getting either of these when we are following you. God, we ask today that you would change our perspective and our mindset. Would you help us to uh, remember that we're doing what we do for you? That we ask that you would help us to see things as you see them. To measure life and success as it really needs to be measured. Help us, when we doubt, to trust you, God. Teach us to understand, as we already prayed, what true success is and move us, God, to be people who will give and invest in what really matters in eternity. Would you help us to become more like Jesus, which we know is your part of your plan through this life is to conform us or to make us into the image of Jesus. So finish that work in us and help us, Lord, to become like the others and see everything eternally. In Jesus' name, amen.